listening to the Read Aloud Revival Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah McKenzie, homeschooling mama of six and author of The Read Aloud Family and Teaching from Rest. As parents, we're overwhelmed with a lot to do. It feels like every child needs something different. The good news is you are the best person to help your kids learn and grow, and home is the best place to fall in love with books. This podcast has been downloaded 7 million times in over 160 countries. So if you want to nurture warm relationships while also raising kids who love to read, you're in good company. We'll help your kids fall in love with books and we'll help you fall in love with homeschooling. Let's get started. Well, hello there, Sarah McKenzie here. You've got episode 166. Today we're going to ask the question, what's the deal with open-ended questions? If you've been around here long, you've probably heard us suggest that you use open-ended questions to talk with your kids about books, either the books you've read together or the books your kids have read on their own and that you haven't. One of our most popular resources, in fact, was the Five Questions Guide, which is a PDF guide that lists five questions you can ask your kids of any age about any book to have a great conversation with them. And in honor of this episode, we have refreshed and updated it. You can get that brand new and improved Five Questions Guide for free by texting the word SEND like I'm going to send it to you, (laughs) text the word SEND to the number 33777, or you can just visit today's show notes at readaloudrevival.com slash 166. And then I'll send you that resource. It's super helpful. There's a reason it was the most popular, one of our most popular resources for a long time. And then we Took it down for a bit, and now it has gotten a refresh and an update, and it'll be more helpful than ever. So we're going to dive right into our topic, but before we do that, I'm going to take a listener question. Hey, Sarah, I have a question for you guys. I have a kindergartner that we use uh, some different read-alouds, and quite honestly, half the time when we're reading, I'm quite sure she's not paying attention at all. A lot of times she's playing with a toy or two and different things. And I just don't know that she's really grasping anything that we're saying. My question is, there's a part of me that feels like that's okay. Like it's really okay to just let her play while we're just sort of, I guess, reading over her. So she gets used to that. Or is that something that, you know, like in school, they, now's the time for circle time. Everybody sit still hands on your lap, listen and pay attention. Or What do you think? Because sometimes as I'm reading, it feels like a complete waste of my time because she's just not paying attention. I just wanted your thought and opinion on that of whether or not for small kids, like how, how much should we just sort of let them do their own thing while we're reading versus making them pay attention? Brent, thank you so much for this question. You know, she's probably getting more than you realize. So much of the benefit happens because the good language comes in through their ears. So um, I will say, depending on what she's playing, she may be paying more or less attention than, you know, you realize. So toys that are, uh, let's say, you know, figurines, dolls, 
anything where she's going to be acting out a scene or a story with characters, you know, My Little Pony or whatever, those might make it harder for her to be listening and paying attention. But if she's drawing, doodling, doing Play-Doh, building with blocks or Legos or any kind of craft, uh, things that take less of their own creative, imaginative power and are kind of just ways to keep her body busy, those can be excellent activities. And, you know, there's some interesting research that shows that for many kids, they actually listen better when they're doing something with their bodies in their hands. Um, Dr. Michael Gurian talked about this a bit on episode 82. So go back and listen to that one if you haven't yet. Um, And then you'll get some ideas there too for what they can do while while you're reading and, you know, keep their bodies moving, especially their hands and still be paying attention even if it doesn't look like they are. Um, that can be a little deceptive, right? They don't look like they're paying attention, but you can have a child sitting there, you know, crisscross applesauce, hands in their lap, looking for all the world like they're being attentive and not actually focusing on a thing you say. I don't know how much we can make a kid pay attention, but we can certainly kind of set the scene <laughs> to help their attention be more focused. Just for a lot of kids, that actually means them moving around. And I wonder if that's true for your five-year-old. Um, another thing is you can use some of the open-ended questions that you're going to find in that guide that I mentioned at the top of this show, and I'm going to be talking more about. Um, I have a hunch you might be surprised that she's hearing more than you realize. So using those open-ended questions will help you sort of ascertain if she's if she is paying attention and getting most of it, or if not, you know, you also, it might just help you decide which activities are hindering her listening. You know, maybe if she's acting out some elaborate ball with her My Little Ponies or something, then she's not listening as well. But if she's drawing or playing with Play-Doh or something or watercolors or those perler beads or there's so many different activities they can do, right? Um, then maybe that's actually helping her listen quite well. And using those open-ended questions might just help you get a better grasp on like what she's missing, what she's not. You know, another quick thought, Brent, is that it's it's really never a waste of time to read to your kids, even if they're, you know, one and don't understand most of what you're reading. Because when you're reading aloud to your child, you are being present and attentive and sharing a moment with them. And that's speaking all kinds of love and connection to your child, right? That you would take this moment and just be so focused on reading to him or her. Um, And again, that really good language coming in through their ear is doing a lot, even on the subconscious level, even if they can't turn around and repeat it back to you. It's doing something you can't see. You're planting seeds there. So I just wanted to throw that in there. I hope that's helpful. Brett, thank you for your question. I love questions from dads. So this is an open call for all of you dads who are listening. Send me your questions. I'd love to answer yours too. And anyone at all who'd like to ask a question, hoping I'll answer it on the show, you can leave me a message at readaloudrevival.com. Just scroll down the page a bit. You'll find a recording button and you can send me a voice message there. All right, let's talk about open-ended questions. So first of all, let's just start this episode by acknowledging that conversation is one of our very top tools, both in our parenting and in our homeschooling. So 
if we're homeschooling, it's really important for our kids' education. It's a really incredible tool we can use as their teachers. If we're not homeschooling, it's also a really good, helpful tool for us in our parenting. So really, any of us, this is a useful, useful tool. In fact, I really think you've got three super tools for your parenting life and your homeschooling life. They're prayer, read-alouds, and conversation. Those are three absolutely invaluable tools that you've got. That's why I call them super tools because you've got those. Uh, they're all free. They're all incredibly powerful and they all are relatively simple to do as long as we give them the priority they need. Again, those are prayer, read alouds, and conversation. Today, we're going to dig into that third one, conversation. So when we engage in conversation with our kids... When we ask our child, you know, how'd your day go? What are you worried about? Or maybe what was the best part of your week? We're communicating something very particular to our kids. We are communicating that we're interested in our kids' lives and that we have time for them, right? When we have a conversation with our kids about books, then we're communicating something similar. We're communicating to them that we're interested in what they're reading and what they're thinking about. We don't even have to say it outright. We're just telling them by asking them a question that they're a priority in our own lives and it spending time with them is a priority and also knowing what they're reading and thinking about is important to us. I think books offer a unique entry into conversation because books contain the best ideas we encounter. They're they're like a gate, a gateway to bigger issues and oftentimes we can enter into these comfortable, leisurely conversations about some of life's hardest topics by using a book to help us get there. So then when we read with our kids and then open ourselves up to have a discussion with them about it, we have a unique opportunity to help them encounter big thoughts, big ideas, you know, think deeply about the big things in life and then allow those ideas and encounters to shape their own life and to help us parent. So this doesn't happen generally when we ask a question like, uh, did you like it? Which is what is, I think, a knee-jerk reaction for a lot of us, me included. My hand is firmly up in the air here. <laughs> when my kids finish a book and I notice it, it's really tempting for me to ask them, hey, did you like it? And that's a fine question. It's just that it's only going to elicit one of two answers, either yep or no. <laughs> And for some children, maybe even just a grunt, right? Um, so asking a child if they liked a book isn't that helpful. What we want to do is ask questions that plumb a little deeper. And I think just like everything that makes a positive impact in our parenting, we have to prioritize this. We have to like think this through and make this a habit so that we can communicate that love and interest to our kids. So books make this really easy to do, and I think these conversations can fit into our already really busy lives because we can just sort of get into the habit of asking our kids open-ended questions. Now, before we get into the specifics of what an open-ended question actually is, let's talk about what a conversation is because a conversation really is just the informal exchange of ideas, right? And this should help us breathe a little bit easier, feel a little less overwhelming. Because for a lot of us, when we think about talking with our kids about books, we hearken back to our own childhood education 
And the way that we discussed books in class or in a book report or an essay um, or when we were getting quizzed or drilled on a, a, a book. And we feel like we're not, first of all, we don't really want to do it. And secondly, we don't really feel equipped to do it. So if we can just shelve all of that, we're not going to be doing any of those things. We're not going to be asking our kids to do any of those things today. What we're going to be talking about is just inviting our kids into an informal exchange of ideas. And this is far more powerful than any other response I think you can have from a book. Having an open-ended conversation with your kids about the book you read flings wide all these doors of discovery and digging for good ideas and thinking about the world in new ways, in ways that write a book report or write an essay or take this quiz to show that you read the book, they can't touch it. They can't even get close. The best stories actually lend themselves naturally to this. You know, this is what grown-up readers do in our adult book clubs, right? Like when if, if I go to a book club with my friends or if I'm talking to my best friend on the phone about a movie I just saw, or maybe I cut out a Sunday funny, right, and share it with my father-in-law, or I come home from the store or from a, you know, trip of some kind, I start telling stories about what happened after the car broke down on the side of the highway, or when I met, ran into somebody at the store, or when I helped that woman who grabbed an orange off the produce shelf and the entire, the entire rack of oranges fell, cascaded down onto the floor. Whenever we share a story, and then we start casually swapping thoughts and ideas about it. That's having a conversation about a story. And we do this all the time. We do it every day without even thinking about it. So conversations about books, they don't really need to be that different from any other conversations we have with our kids. So it's okay if you don't know what you know an exposition is or what a denouement is. If you're not really sure what the theme of the book is or... You don't know how to find an allusion to other literature. That's okay. You've got to silence that old middle school English teacher for now because what we're going for in conversations with our kids at home about books is a cozy book club environment. Because isn't it true that the books that move, or shape, or transform us, they, they feel special to us in a unique way, in a way that makes, you know, a Venn diagram or a literary essay, or a plot chart or something, is that the last thing you want to do when you fall deeply in love with a book? Because the best stories, they just naturally cause questions to bubble up within us. And then they spur more questions than answers, and they, they just make themselves available to have conversations about. So if we can learn to approach these books with open-ended questions, I think we can really break open this whole idea of really digging for ideas and encountering books on a different level and really help reading become so much more enjoyable for our kids. So what we're going to do with this episode, with the rest of this episode, is I'm going to give you a definition of what I mean by open-ended question. Like, what is an open-ended question? And then we're going to talk about why they work. And then you can get that guide, that five questions guide. And in that guide, there are five open-ended questions that you can use with any book for any age kid to have a great conversation about them. Okay? So that's what we're going to do. So let's talk about what is an open-ended question. When we say open-ended question, what we mean is that there's no right answer. We're not looking for a certain answer. In fact, if you ask a question and you already know the answer, 
it is by definition not an open-ended question <laughs> okay so where did this story take place is not an open-ended question because there is a correct answer for it right in what year did this happen is also not an open-ended question what was the name of the main character's sister what happened after the main character did such and such these are none of these are open-ended questions because they have correct answers. They're also the kinds of questions that we see all the time on comprehension workbooks, right? <laughs> um, questionnaires, any of those computer-based quizzes that are trying to decide, they're trying to ascertain whether your child read the book or not. So here's the good news about open-ended questions. You don't need to do comprehension questions that have right or wrong answers because if your child can answer an open-ended question, then you know that they've read the book. And the only point of asking a question like, what year did the book happen in? Where did it take place? Is to find out if your child actually read the book. Tell me, if you told your best friend or your spouse that you just finished the best book and then they followed that up by drilling you with questions to make sure you actually read it, how likely would you be to continue talking with them about the books you loved? Not likely, right? This is exactly what we do to our kids. They finish a book, maybe it touched them in a place that they're even having a hard time to describe or to, you know, express to us. And we start drilling them with either a worksheet or a workbook or an essay or a book report or a quiz, finding out if they actually read the book. And if they get any of those questions wrong, we're actually pointing them saying, actually, this question is really important. When did this story take place? And we're telling them that other thing that you thought was important was isn't as important. This is what you should have gotten from this book. That's pretty much the opposite of what we wanted to with the best books, right? So when we say open-ended question, we want questions that don't have a right or a wrong answer. You're going to get these in your five questions guide. So make sure you grab that guide. But I'll give you an example right now. One question you could ask is, Tell me when a character was courageous in this story. Now, most stories are going to have a time when more than one character was courageous about more than one thing, right? And so your child now, what they're doing when you ask them, tell me a time when someone was courageous in this story, is they go back in their mind and they're flipping through the story. They're revisiting it in their mind. They're revisiting the parts that resonated with them that they remembered, that stuck out to them. And they're thinking through what happened and which characters it happened to. And then they get to pick one. And because there's no right or wrong answer, they're not asking the question of, what does my mom or my teacher want me to say? Instead, they're asking themselves the question that we actually want them to think about, which is, tell me about a time when somebody was courageous in this story. Now, you'll notice that I've changed the wording of that a little if you've been around Read Aloud Revival for long. Um, one way I always used to ask this question is, who was the most courageous in this story? And you can absolutely ask that question. I think it's a fabulous question. If you have a child, though, who seems to be a little gun shy of superlatives. So if you say, what was the most or what is the best? You know, you're asking them to choose one thing and that makes them a little anxious, then just take out that superlative, take out that word most. Let me give you an example. If someone comes up to me and says, hey, Sarah, what is your most favorite book? I will not know how to answer that question. I will probably look like a deer in headlights because I don't think I can answer that question. And also it changes, right? But if someone comes up to me and says, hey, Sarah, tell me about a book you love. 
oh yeah, now I can talk all day, right? <laughs> now we got a conversation going. So if you notice that your kids feel a little bit of pressure to figure out the most courageous person in the story or the most whatever, just take that word most out of it. Tell me sometime a character was courageous in this story. That breaks open. Now there's lots of different answers and your child's no longer worrying about getting the answer right. And now they're thinking about answering the question, which is actually what we want them to do. So an open-ended question is, there's no right answer. You're not looking for a specific answer. So if you ask the question and you know the answer already, change it. That's not an open-ended question. (laughs) And then the other thing that makes a good open-ended question is that it can be asked about any book and it'll be answered at the child's own developmental level. If I'm reading The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe to all of my kids, and I ask one of my seven-year-old twins, tell me a time someone was courageous in that story, and they do, and then I ask that I follow up and say, okay, tell me about that. What, what happened that was so courageous? Why was that a courageous thing to do? She's probably going to zone in on something else that happened. If I ask a question, should this character have done that thing, which is something you can ask about any book, right? Should Frog and Toad have eaten the cookies? (laughs) Should Anne Shirley have broken the slate over Gilbert Blythe's head? (laughs) Um, You could ask this about any kind of book, right? You're going to get a different answer from your four-year-old than you are from your 14-year-old because the way that they see the world and encounter it and interact with it is different. And so that's the beauty of an open-ended question. First of all, there's no right answer. So their pressure is off them getting the right answer. And now they just get to focus on the question, which is what we really want them to do anyway. And secondly, you don't have to change the questions because your kids get older. You don't have to have a specific reading guide for every book that you read. Uh, every literature, you know, every book that you're reading for school, you don't need a literature guide. You just need a handful of questions that you can ask that are open-ended and get that conversation going. And you can use them with any book and you can use them with any child. Again, I know you want those open-ended questions and they're in that guide that you can get uh, by texting the word SEND to 33777 or going to the show notes at readaloudrevival.com slash 166. And you can kind of see this in action. You can use these right away. In fact, I'm going to encourage you to use one of these today with your kids and see what happens because I think good things will happen. The reason that they work, the reason that open-ended questions work, number one is that you don't need different questions for each book. You just need one open-ended question. So that same one I used before, tell me a time someone was courageous in this book. Or you could ask... You know, tell me a time when someone was courageous in this chapter we just read, because you could ask this at the end of a short part of a book or at the end of the whole book. It doesn't really matter. just depends on when you're asking it. I could ask that about Little House on the Prairie, and I'm going to get a different answer than if I'm asking it about Bud Not Buddy or Where the Mountain Meets the Moon or A Single Shard or uh, Tom Sawyer, right? There's going to be a different answer dep- or if it's a picture book. So it, the questions don't change. That's why they're helpful because we're busy and we don't need literature guides for every book that we read. And actually, we don't really want them for every book that we read either. But those open-ended questions can be tucked into your pocket uh, and pulled out at any time and you can use them. And once you start using them, you'll probably find that you default to, you know, a couple uh, that you are consistently asking because you've sort of memorized them. So a good example of this is, in fact, that courage question. Uh, I started asking my kids who was the most courageous in this story so often that one night I heard one of my daughters, she was probably 12 at the time, 
talking to her sister from her bunk bed, saying that I ask that question so often that now when she reads a book, even if she's not sure we're going to talk about it or I'm going to ask about it, no matter what she's reading, she always figures out who is the most courageous in a story because then she'll just know, have an answer if I ask. Now, she outsmarted me, or she thought she did, but I actually thought the real win was mine because I had essentially trained my child to ask herself about courage every time she reads a book. So I'm pretty sure I'm winning (laughs) in that situation, right? Now, like I said, if they can answer an open-ended question, you know the child has read the book and you know that they can think about it. In order to answer the question, tell me a time when someone was courageous or who is the most courageous in this story. If they can answer that, then they've read the book and now we don't need those uh, right and wrong comprehension questions because the only job of those right and wrong comprehension questions questions. The single purpose for them is to determine if your child was listening to the story or reading the story, right? So this open end, the fact that your child can have a conversation with you is proof that they read the story. And so you can just do away with all of those completely and focus on open-ended questions instead. Also, because an open-ended question is so open, your child is naturally going to be thinking through a lot of different parts of the story, which is really useful. So instead of saying, specific question about after uh, Anne Shirley broke the slate over Gilbert's head, what happened next? Which again is a question with the right or wrong answer. So it's not open-ended. And it's just having your child zone in on one particular scene that maybe they don't remember what happened next. Actually, I'll tell you, I don't remember what happened right after that. And I am a major Anne Shirley fan. So uh, because we, whenever we read, we might... Uh, tend to different parts with a different amount of energy or focus, right? And that's a good thing. That's what we want our kids to do as they're reading, um, is to be open to whatever happens during that reading experience, whatever resonates and pops out at them, not to tell them that that was the most important part. You should have been paying attention at that part, right? And so if I say instead, tell me a time when someone was courageous, now I'm thinking through, if I ask my child this after she's read, Anne of Green Gables, let's say, then she's thinking through so many different parts of the story to choose one piece of it, to choose one uh, example to tell me. But she's actually in her mind revisiting it. So this is what we actually want our kids to do, right? They'll get more practice of this later when they're writing essays or doing SAT work. They have to have textual evidence, which just means tell us where the text supports your idea or where you got your idea based on the text, based on what you read. When your child is thinking through the story to answer your question, they're practicing what they're going to need later to be able to write with textual evidence. But you don't ever have to say those words to them. You can just know that you're doing it and and it, you're doing it in a way that's really fun and lighthearted with a light touch, which is great. Now, we get this question a lot from people who are following a kind of Charlotte Mason approach to homeschooling which is, what about narration? Are open-ended questions a form of narration? So if you are um, unfamiliar with Charlotte Mason's educational approach, narration is a main part of that educational model. And the idea is that your child tells back what they just read or what they just heard. So 
I am going to read this chapter of uh, Listening for Lions by Gloria Whelan to my children. And then at the end, I'm going to say, tell me back what you just heard. And the idea being that they have to do the same thing that we're talking about, where they have to go through the story and pick out the parts and repeat them to me. Um, and because of that, they're, we're making their mind do the work. Do you see how that's different than just asking a pointed question, like what happened at this point or where did that take place? We're actually having our kids sift through the whole body of what happened and tell us what was most important. This is a really important skill, right? I know that a lot of kids struggle with this form of narration. And so what open-ended questions, they're really just a more focused kind of narration. It's not quite as wide open. You know, tell me what you just heard. And that can be really overwhelming for a lot of kids. You know, that anxiety about feeling like they need to remember it all. Um, I will tell you, my oldest daughter never responded well to that big question of tell me what you just heard, especially if she, we just heard, you know, it felt like a lot. And she, so what would happen is I would start to read aloud to her and she would say, wait, am I going to have to narrate this? And if I said yes, her enjoyment of the read aloud went way down. I actually think her comprehension went way down because she was so anxious and focused on making sure she was getting the right information into her mind that she'd be able to repeat it or that she would be able to remember it for the narration. So instead, if you're able to give them a little focus with an open-ended question, tell me a time when someone was courageous in this chapter, that feels a lot less anxiety producing for some kids. I'm not saying you shouldn't do traditional Charlotte Mason narration with your kids. I'm just saying open-ended questions are a form of narration. They're a form of more focused narration. So if you are wanting to do narration with your kids, but you're finding it to be difficult, you can try open-ended questions as a replacement for it. And you're really just doing a more focused kind of narration. Now, I could talk about having conversations with our kids about books for a long time, <laughs> but we're about out of time for our podcast episode. I want to tell you, though, about some other resources we have that will give, really, give you some traction here. Again, the five questions guide, which we've refreshed and updated, and you can get it for free by texting the word SEND to 33777 or going to the show notes at readaloudrevival.com slash 166. Those are going to give you five questions, and I would encourage you to get that today and ask one of your kids any one of those questions today. You can ask them a that one of those questions whether you've read the book or not. If you ask one of these questions about a book that one of your kids has read but you haven't read, they will know you're not quizzing them. They will know you're not drilling them. They will know that you are asking because you're interested in what they read and what they think. Because if I say, Tell me whether, you know, who was the most courageous in that story or who was the, one of the most courageous people in that story. And I haven't read it yet. I'm just interested in what's happening in their reading life and in their mind, right? And now they know that because I don't know the answer and they know I don't know the answer because I haven't read it. So you can ask these questions with books that you have read together or that you haven't read. It doesn't really matter. But I would encourage you to grab that guide today and try one of those questions and see what happens. Now, we have a masterclass available in RER Premium um, called How to Talk with Your Kids About Books that demonstrates how to use those questions. It really takes you through step by step and shows you how doable this is and gives you some examples for what to do when your child says, I don't know, <laughs> or what to do if your child gives you an answer and it just kind of sits there like 
limp and it's not really opening up a conversation. It's again, just sort of like a dead conversation. So if you really want to dig into these open-ended questions and really start having great conversations with your kids about books, you want to take that masterclass. It's available now in RER Premium. If you're a premium member, just go to your For Mamas library. That's where you're going to find it. And if you're not a member, you can become one by going to rarpremium.com. Now, another thing in premium is that this Friday, um, well, if you're listening to this right when it comes out, (laughs) this Friday, November 6th, 2020, I am doing a Circle with Sarah session which is a live webinar style class in RER Premium. And I'm going to be walking you through the top tips for taking those conversations to the next level. You know, we're going to talk about how you can set yourself up to make this a life-giving and incredibly powerful part of your child's reading life and your homeschool. And that's happening live this Friday, November 6th at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. A replay will be available afterward like it always is. So if you're listening to this podcast after November 6th and you want in on that, you can uh, you can watch the replay. So to join us live or to watch the replay, you want to join Premium if you're not already a member. And again, you can do that at rarpremium.com. If you are a member, go to the calendar in Premium to get your details on how to join us live and go to the For Mamas library afterwards to watch it on replay. Now it's time for Let the Kids Speak. I love this part of the podcast because kids share the books that they've been loving lately. My name is Zoe. I am six years old. I live in Wisconsin, and I, the book I like is Angus and Sadie. Why I like it is because there's two cute doggies. My name is Therese, and I'm nine years old. I live in Wisconsin, and my favorite book is Diary of a Pug. And I, one of the reasons I like it is because the pug is scared of the rain, but he likes the snow. My name is Bernadette. I live in Wisconsin. I'm four years old, and my favorite book is Five Minute Papa My name is Noel, and I'm three years old. I live in Wisconsin. My, my favorite book is Gnicka My name is Joseph. My age is eight. I live in Wisconsin. My favorite books are Super Mario Brothers Encyclopedia and Freddy Goes to the North Pole. Hi, my name is Emery, and I'm from Redlands, California, and I'm six years old, and my favorite book is The Maggie Bee, and I like that book because um, she sails on the sea. Hi, my name is Elise. I'm six years old. I come from Redlands, California. My favorite book is Oxcart Man by Barbara Cooney. I like it because the dad brings stuff home for the children to make. My name is Lily Terrell. I'm 11 years old and I live in Florence, South Carolina. My favorite book is The Green Ember by S.D. Smith and my favorite part is when Helmer starts training Pickett to be a soldier. My name is Estel. I'm five years old and I, I, I live in Florence, South Carolina. 
My favorite book is the Mercy Watson series, the Halloween book, and my favorite part is when she dresses up. Hi, my name is Joshua. I'm six years old. I live in Wisconsin. My favorite book is Daniel's Duck. I like it because he gives the duck to Henry Pettigrew. Thank you, thank you, kids. You know I love to hear your favorite books and what you've been enjoying lately. Remember, the show notes for this episode are at readaloudrevival.com slash 166, or you can just text the word SEND to the number 33777, and I will get that five questions guide right out to you. Come on over to RAR Premium and join us. You can watch the masterclass on how to use those questions with your kids, and then join us for our newest Circle with Sarah. We're going to be taking those conversations we're having with our kids about books to the next level, setting ourselves and our kids up for success to fall more in love with each other and more in love with books. I'll be back in two weeks with another episode of the podcast. In the meantime, you know what to do. Go make meaningful and lasting connections with your kids through books. Thank you.